NC State lost to Wake Forest over the weekend. I say that with a monotone <laughs> intentionally. Oh, darn. Yeah, I think State fans are probably like, oh, yeah, we know. That's that's how we've been talking since the game. You know what? It probably goes back to the pit loss. But uh, but NC State season is now a test in want to. It's a test in internal motivation because the external motivation isn't there anymore. Right? When you start the, the season, and then, uh, you know, I, I think everybody in, in college sports kind of does the same thing, right? You start with win your conference, and then you go from there, right? You, that, that's what you can focus on. That's what you can control. Uh, you know, to use Florida State football as the example, the thing they could control is winning all their games and winning the conference. They couldn't control what the committee did, but winning your conference. Um, the regular season title is out the window for NC State. Uh, outside of winning their conference tournament, the NCAA tournament is out the way for NC State. Uh, they had to beat Pitt and didn't. They had to beat Wake Forest and didn't. And that makes it so all the the other moral victories aren't even an option, right? Here's Kevin Keats talking about how it was a hard-fought game versus Wake. What a hard-fought game it was. And, I mean, I you know, it's a – you know, that was, to me, that was an ACC tournament elimination game. Um, I, I thought both teams played extremely hard. Um, I love the way DJ Horn played. I thought he was really aggressive. Um, every time that we needed a basket to answer a run, I thought he was a guy that stepped up and made some big shots for us. Um, you know, we did some really good things. I thought Matt Moe was tremendous as far as rebounding the basketball. Uh, the game went back and forth. Hard fought in certain situations matters. The last two games for NC State, hard fought didn't matter. Winning was the only thing that mattered. Those two losses changed the rest of your season. If NC State is a program, which I believe it is, and I know the fan base that I interact with believe it is, if NC State is a program that sees their seasons as disappointments unless they make the NCAA tournament, the only way to make this season not a disappointment is to win the ACC tournament. Other than that, the, the, the motivation is pride. So as long as you don't fall into that Tuesday game, which makes your run to the ACC tournament even more difficult, as long as you're playing on Wednesday, the rest of your motivation is pride. You have seven games left. At Clemson versus Syracuse versus Boston College, at Florida State, at UNC versus Duke, and at Pitt. You better find whatever it takes to get up for those games. There was a point in time not long ago where I was like, hey, you win them all, you win them all except for one, you lose the right one and it's close, you might be able to talk yourself into having a chance at the NCAA tournament, lose to Pitt, lose, lose to, to Wake, that's no longer an option. I don't, I don't believe the committee can save you now. So now... It's whatever you have to take, whatever you have to do to get wins, right, to, to make your program proud of the way you finish and to set yourself up for a Cinderella run through the ACC tournament. That's it. And do you know what nobody likes to hear about the motivations of their team towards the end of the season? Anything along the lines of that's it. Right, you like to hear and also, and also, right? You want to have a, a favorable seating in the ACC tournament and also set yourself up for, uh, to, for a strong at-large bid in the NCAA tournament and also uh, get yourself ready for some uh, individual postseason accolades and also you don't want that's it. 
The motivation could be there, right? Syracuse and Pitt beat you once already. Go get some revenge. UNC and Duke, you know what the motivation is there, right? Crosstown rivals, uh, the the flag bearers this year. The, actually, there's another ranked team, by the way. UVA is ranked mm-hmm. uh, as of today. So they're not the only ranked teams in the ACC, but they're the two highest ranked teams in the ACC. You want to go knock that down. Michael O'Connell, DJ Horn, Casey Morsell, DJ Burns listed as seniors. Quite a few of them have already played five years of college basketball, so you'd expect them to be on the way out. I believe O'Connell has played four. I'm not sure if he gets the COVID year. But but, but that's a lot of guys that want to go out with, with some pride. Casey Morsell's played a lot of games for NC State. DJ Horn has been a, been a real force for them this year. And DJ Burns, we know what he brings to the table. Fan favorite. He's going to be remembered by state fans, and and the next seven games have something to do with how you're remembered. Sometimes you learn something about yourself. Sometimes you learn something about your team. Sometimes you learn something about your 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 program as a whole when you when you put yourself in this situation. Do you go ah? Our goal was was NCAA tournament. This is a program that's proud, and every year we should make the NCAA tournament. So when that kind of falls by the wayside, do you go, well, we tried? Or do you go, well, we have seven games left to remind people what we bring to the table. We have seven games left to fight our tails off. Not to mention, there's the whole coaching staff job security thing. Right, that question is going to be asked by quite a few if you miss the NCAA tournament again. After, you know, last year maybe thinking you turned some kind of a, a corner. So win one for your coach is is an issue, right? That's that's something that could motivate you down the stretch here. But that loss to Wake, following the loss to Pitt, those are those are deal breakers. Those hurt. And and Again, like I said, hey, you played hard against Pitt, right? There's the whole if you make your free throws against Wake. Hey, it was a hard-fought game. Felt like an ACC tournament game. Yeah, but you didn't win. Nope. That hurts. It's one thing if they're in a position, like we said, and also, and also, and also. You want to be playing with stakes. Yeah. From this point forward, the the next seven regular season games, there's very low stakes. Do you play on Tuesday or do you play on Wednesday when you begin your Cinderella run through the ACC tournament is really the only thing that's on the line. If you had 18 wins already on the year and you were 9-3 and three in the conference, okay, then you look at, hey, you know what, that's the game we're going to play in the mm-hmm. ACC tournament. That kind of game is going to get us ready for the NCAA tournament. There's a little bit of a different feeling to it. But like you said, now it's like, well, if we don't make a run in in, in Washington D.C. In, in about four weeks, then see in the NIT. And and I can tell you this for for darn sure, the ACC tournament doesn't give out medals for it was a hard fought game unless you win. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, there's no pats on the back for hey, that felt like an intense playoff game, didn't it? You lost, but at a boy, there's none of those in the ACC tournament. Uh, UNC squeaked by Miami. That's how I'm choosing to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the win in the ACC. Miami is not a scrub team in the ACC. I'd say they're middle of the pack, and they got the win. Why am I still growing in my concern for the Tar Heels? Their last four games. You know, actually, I'll put it like this. It's not fair, but if you take away the Duke game, their last three games are extremely concerning. 
it's not fair to say, hey, if you take your best win of the last four and just throw it away, uh, that, hey, you look pretty bad, right? If you take any team's best win and throw it away, they're going to look worse. But uh, I'm going to acknowledge the unfairness of it and do it anyway. If you take away the Duke game, their last three games are losses to Georgia Tech and Clemson and then a gross win over Miami in which you needed some sloppy play by Miami down the stretch to pull it off. That's not great. I still think UNC is the best team in the ACC. I still think they have the best chance of going deep based on what they've shown us up to this point. But I'm way less bullish. And that's based on what they've put on the court. I'm, I'm, there's only so many times they can, like, you know, really buckle down in the second half before I go, well, where's the first half effort? There's only so many times they can do just enough to get the win before I go, how about you do a lot? Yeah, you can you can turn it on in the second half. Congratulations. Can you just do that from the opening tip? Here's Hubert Davis on what was different in the second half defensively for the Tar Heels. Well, I think for Amir, I think um, there were two things uh, to be able to defend him. I thought Armando really stepped up in the second half and really worked hard um, to make it hard for him to catch the ball where he wants to. I thought he did a good job on his dribble drives, didn't give him low post position. Uh, didn't foul him, put him on the free throw line. And then also there's another way you can defend him. You can go at him on the offensive end. In the second half, Armando was more aggressive. And because he was so aggressive, you got a mirror in foul trouble, and it's easier to defend him when he's on the bench. Um, in terms of regards to pack, we just, uh, anytime, any DHO, any ball screen, we just two put, put two guys on him. We just doubled him. Um, we just had to try something different, make somebody else make a play, somebody else make a shot, because he was just in a rhythm in the first half. and. Um, we just had to try something um, different, and, and it took him out of his rhythm, and it really worked for us. There's two things that concern me about the Tar Heels. Two. First, let's go over the good, then we'll get to the two. One, uh, of good, Armando Baycott is still riding the wave. He's still playing well. It was a little bit quieter scoring the basketball, but but when he was out there, he's he's playing more like the Armando Baycott everyone expected him to be. Yep. Two, Elliot Cadeau is ramping up his play, playing more confidently. He's having more of an impact on the game. And and teams are giving him that outside shot right now. Which was earned through the first part of the the, the season. Understandable. Uh, you know, was I think he was actually too worried about being like the best pass first freshman in the country. Uh, and it's like, well, actually you can you can go score your own occasionally as well. Hey, go two two of six from three. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. Be, be, like that's it. Like be respectable, like yeah, That's don't don't go be. one of eleven, but yeah. two of six is fine. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to put it. Um, Harrison Ingram, still my guy. That's mm-hmm. number three. A little bit quieter day for him, but still, I believe when, when they need him, he'll be there ready to play. Now for the two concerns. One, they're missing Seth Trimble. Big time. They're missing him, and he's one of those you don't know what you got till it's gone style players. He's hurt. Uh, when he comes off the bench, he – allows the rest of the team to focus a bit offensively by locking up with the opposing team's best perimeter threat. And he brings a certain level of athleticism to their perimeter, just raw explosiveness that I think they're missing with him gone. And it's just one more player that can, can eat minutes. The second thing I'm concerned about is more, I believe difficult to fix. RJ Davis is becoming a wildly, wildly dependent on volume score. 
And that's not from three. He's actually shooting the three very well. But his two-point percentage over the last three games has been horrendous. Right? If if you want to score like he has at times where he's putting up 25-plus on efficient shooting by shooting 45%, 50%, 60% from the field, I'm never, I'm never going to complain about that. But if you're going to score 25 on 19 shots, on 21 shots, and you're making six, you're making five, you're making seven out of 20, whatever, I'm going to have to look around and go, we got, we got, we got problems here. Mm-hmm. Because what that is doing is you're hurting the effectiveness of everybody else, right? The shots you're taking are shots that Baycott's not taking. The shots you're taking are shots that Ingram is not taking or Cadeau are not taking. And if you're shooting a high percentage, great. Right, they're not taking the shot, but you're you're keeping up efficiency. A shot from you might be better than what they have. If you're shooting five of nineteen, their shot's likely better than the shot you're taking. And it's it's tough because once you become the guy where you're scoring twenty five plus, it feels like if you don't score twenty five plus, you're letting the team down. So you're doing whatever it takes by any means necessary to get all those points, and you don't have to. You don't have to. Because the thing is, you know, Dennis and I did kind of a deep dive into the the stats this morning. Uh, he's shooting the three really well. Oh, phenomenal. He's shooting 41.4% on the season, but he's shooting 43% and change from overall. So if you're shooting 41% from three, you should be shooting 50% from, from the field because, you're, you, you know, your three is, is so dramatically impressive, especially at his volume. So I, you already see what's happening here, right? He's shooting the three well, so what is a defense going to do? They're going to run him off the three, right? They're going to close out aggressively. They're going to make him put it on the floor. Then once he's going to the bucket, he's putting up a wide array of floaters. He's putting up a wide array of difficult two-point shots, and they're not going down. That means the blueprint is out there on R.J. Davis. If he, if you give him open threes, he's going to knock them down. So fly out of there like, like a, a bat out of heck. You know what I mean? Go out there. Uh, if you fall for a pump fake, fine. Just don't let him take the three. Don't foul, but don't let him take the three because he's wildly less efficient shooting the two. So, <laughs> heck, right? That's every, like, you know, 6'5 wings dream. Wait, you're telling me I just get to fly out there and don't have to worry about falling for a pump fake? I just need to make sure he doesn't take this shot? All right. See me come flying out of help defense. A little rotation here. <laughs> that's almost easy and i i get that carolina their style of play is like they want a shot within like five seconds i totally get that when when i coach lacrosse this, this is where my comparison comes in i like to play that fast up tempo style game we can score a transition in secondary i want to make sure that we can but you have to make sure that it's a quality shot don't shoot for the sake of shooting it has to be a quality look. Sometimes you might have to take that extra second or two to make sure that the quality shot does come, whether it's from yourself or somebody else. But that's the one thing. Yeah, that's one thing to play fast. It's one thing to play erratic. And sometimes they can be a little bit erratic. I, I think what I'd like to see from R.J. Davis is either get all the way to the bucket, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking get fouled or get a layup. Drive and kick. Yeah. Drive, drive and kick or drive and attract defenders and drop it down to Baycott like – once you, you, you're you in the two-point range, uh, you don't have to force up a tough shot. You can you can be a part of the system there, uh, which which is tough to ask because he is scoring so much, right? And there there are, you know, 
national awards at play and national awards look at points per game and 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 that's a very tantalizing topic but national awards should look at how well your team is winning as well and over the last four games uh the the unc tar heels have given me reason to be a little bit concerned like i said i still think they're best in the acc i still think they're most likely to go far in the tournament i still think they have talent but the last four games show me maybe they're getting away from the things that uh, that got them to where they are. The drive with Tim Donnelly, 99-9 the fan. The last team in the triangle to play over the weekend, Duke smacked the heck out of Boston College. Yeah, they did. And since UNC, right, since they lost to UNC in a, a loss that I, I panned them for, and I believe rightfully so, Duke has actually, to use a term that is uh, the cool kids are using these days, they've stood on business. Right. What that means is like look at the results, right? Look at look at the the ledger. Look at the scoreboard. They've stood on business. They smoked Notre Dame and they smoked Boston College. Here's John Shire, the head coach, on his overall thoughts on the win this weekend over BC. You know, nineteen assists for our team. I, I thought we really had some great sharing today. Uh where just guys are making the right play and it turned into points. And um you know, we talked about as a team, Boston College has been down double digits in many games. And uh, so every time we got a lead in the second half, we kept referencing that. And our guys did a great job of just playing every possession. Uh, and, you know, like Mark came through big time in the second half. I thought Flip had a different bounce to his step today. All, all the guys that played, I thought Sean Stewart's minutes were key today. You know, he had some key, key minutes into the first half when we got the lead come back in the second half. He's just growing every single game. And uh, great effort, great win, and we have a quick turnaround for Monday now. Smoked Notre Dame and smoked Boston College. Those are coaches' thoughts on the smoking of Boston College. I also want to emphasize this. Those are not good teams in the ACC. But Duke treated them like they were not good teams in the ACC. Right? What else? They're on your schedule. What else can you do but win by 20-plus? Right, you go out there, you take care of business, jump on them early, don't let off the 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 throttle. Right, that's that's what you should do. But here's the gift and the curse of Duke's roster this year. Here's what I struggle with with Duke's roster this year. They could play the exact same level of basketball that they played in the loss to North Carolina, and roll over Notre Dame and Boston College exactly the way they did. Because let's let's not forget when they played UNC. It was a like if you watch the game, it was obvious that UNC was the better team the entirety. But it ended up being what a nine point win, right? They they were able to, despite being severely outclassed in intensity, despite being severely outclassed in compete, which is, I mean, that's that's coming from Shire, not me. After the game, he said he was disappointed in the way his team competed, and for a coach to say that, it had to be dramatic. So so despite that, they lost by nine. So they could show up against Boston College. They should. They could show up against Notre Dame, teams that are near and or at the bottom of the ACC, and and not have a high level of compete and still win by twenty. They just have that kind of talent. They have that kind of five star. They have that kind of shooting. They have that kind of uh, size, from Filipowski specifically, Mitchell, and and on and on. The problem is if you were to run into another team like UNC, that was playing very good basketball, that was that had a talent uh, kind of equal rather than overmatched, uh, like you will in the ACC tournament towards the, the, the end or like you will in the NCAA tournament. We don't know if they fixed anything. 
We don't know if they fixed what happened against UNC. We don't know. That's the gift and the curse. You're so good that you can beat teams without your elite level of compete. But then it also means we don't know if you brought an elite level of compete. I liked what I saw against Notre Dame, and I liked what I saw against Boston College. But I, I'm, I'm so tempted to say, you're not going to fool me again. Mm-hmm. I'm so tempted to say, I liked what I saw a few other times this year. But then you run into a team that can match you in more ways, and, uh, and it's not as fun. Right? A, a team that isn't going to be as outclassed as far as raw, like NBA talent, or can cancel that out with experience and accomplishment. And, and now all of a sudden it's a different beast. You see this with, with like, uh, you know, power or a group of five teams in college football, right? It's, if you didn't play anybody, it's not saying you're not good enough. It's saying, I don't know how you're going to react when you do play somebody. You can roll through, uh, this, the the Conference USA. But if you play a Power 5 team, how's it going to work? And I'm not saying that, that you know, the ACC is Conference USA, but what I am saying is if there was a Conference USA of the ACC, Notre Dame and Boston <laughs> College would be a part of it. You're the Tuesday. <laughs> we call them Tuesday schools. Yeah, exactly. That's You're Tuesday school. You're going to play in the ACC tournament on Tuesday, and that might be the only day that you're there. So did – did Duke fix what happened against UNC? We'll find out tonight. Wake Forest is a much better test. Oh, yeah. Wake Forest is a much, much, much better te- test. And we'll see how it plays out.